If we were to ask any American what their first experience of live performance in the winter holiday season was, many would say the Nutcracker Ballet. Ask the same question of anyone brought up in Britain, and we will invariably say the pantomime. The pantomime, or panto, is offered by almost every theatre, big or small, in almost every town or city, big or small, every year, beginning in the week of Christmas. What is panto? Simply put, it's an old fairy tale, familiar to all, such as Puss in Boots or Robin Hood or Dick Whittington, retold with up-to-the-minute songs and topical local jokes. The story contains laughter for the whole family, with audience participation, from silly he's behind you laughs for the little ones, a food or water fight of some kind, a pantomime horse or cow operated by two actors, one in front and one behind, and thus looking nothing like a real horse or cow, a villain who appears on stage left, who the audience delights in hissing at, satirical songs and jokes for adults about local happenings, public figures and places. The lead male character, whether Jack or Robin, is called the principal boy and is always played by a young, pretty, often famous woman. The hero's mother or aunt is the pantomime dame and is always played by an experienced male actor who dons layers of makeup and an outrageous costume and hams his way through the whole affair. Some of the greatest actors in Britain have played pantomime dames. Everyone has a silly name, Marjorie Drew, Dame Dolly. Many actors have made complete careers out of being their local pantomime dame, and others have embraced damehood after solid television and film careers, such as John Inman of Are You Being Served? and Sir Ian McKellen. Outlandish costumes, broad comedy, celebrity turns, and audience participation, the now familiar trappings of the classic British panto owe much to the enterprising Victorians whose innovations cemented the popular art form. Pantomime has its roots in Commedia dell'arte, a 16th century Italian entertainment which used dance, music, tumbling, acrobats, and featured a cast of mischievous stock characters, such as Harlequin, who was the quick-witted miscreant who carried a magic bat, wore a mask, and dressed in clothes made of patches. During the 17th century, Harlequin and his companions were improvising comic stories and cavorting their way across Europe. By the early 18th century, Commedia characters began to appear on the London stage. Meanwhile, at the Drury Lane Theatre, the actor-manager David Garrick embraced the character of Harlequin and had old English folktales rewritten, incorporating topical satire. By the late Victorian era, it became customary for pantomimes to open on Boxing Day, the day after Christmas, forever linking this entertainment with Christmas.
Panto was mixed with music hall to create what we now know as the modern pantomime, which is still the staple Christmas show in almost every theatre in Britain. In recent years, folk with the Scranton Shakespeare Festival have brought their love and knowledge of pantomime to delight audiences in northeastern Pennsylvania. Jack and the Beanstalk will be performed at the Shakes Place in the marketplace at Steamtown in Scranton on two weekends, December the 8th, 9th and 10th, and December 15th, 16th and 17th. I had the opportunity to speak with Billy Aiken Tyers, the writer of this year's Scranton pantomime, Jack and the Beanstalk, about pantomime in Scranton. Pantomime was part of my growing up. I'm sure it was part of your growing up. But are you having to teach a whole new group of people about pantomime? It's been quite an experience. I think that we got really lucky that there are a couple of British people who've been involved in Scranton Shakes for a long time, particularly the general manager, Jonathan Stevens. He was, he's also a Brit. And he was the one who originally was like, I think that Scranton would really benefit from having a, a seasonal pantomime. And I come from a, like a clowning and a comedia background, which is also very similar to Panto and has a lot of Panto like influences in its history. And there were actors from the Scranton Shakespeare Festival who also had done the comedia with me. So it felt like a very natural fit for them. And it was a bit of a journey. We learned a lot of lessons last year about there are things that are innately in British DNA that are not in American audiences. But we found once we were able to explain it to the audience and, and they picked it up really, really quickly and everybody had a wonderful time. But it has been a, it's been a journey of having to explain why we say it's behind you or why, why we say it's sadder than that. Or indeed hissing when, when the baddie comes on stage. Yeah, there's so many unwritten rules that you don't necessarily think about until you're having to explain what a panto is and, and why we do it. But what what I will say is that I think that, in my experience, I've found that Scranton is very similar to where I'm from in the northeast. It's it's a coal mining town, and the sense of humour and the sensibility of the people there is very similar to home, and that's why I love Scranton so much. So I feel like it was so well received. There was an innate jumping on board with the panto from the second we started, because people just got it, which was really lovely to see. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that because it's coal region, I always feel very, very comfortable, very at home in the coal region because they they seem to get us. <laughs> same kind of background, same sense of humour, same sort of restrained sarcasm. <laughs> down the mine is down the mine. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. Which is so it's, it's been really, really refreshing for me especially like having lived in America for so long now, to have a community that feels like the Northeast. And, and it's kind of been a really lovely throwback to be able to bring something that was such a huge part of my childhood to Scranton. That's been one of the best bits about it. One thing that would stick out to my mind, uh, having been in American audiences for other things, many, many other things, but particularly when I was watching a folk music group perform in America, a group that I absolutely adore and saw, I don't know how many gazillion times in Britain, that the American audiences were so polite and stayed put and didn't say anything and didn't leap up and dance and didn't sing along. I would imagine that would be the most difficult thing to get American audiences to feel comfortable about participating in the panto. 
Yeah, it's definitely, a, it was a learning curve for us to actively get audiences to engage in that way because you are taught a certain set of etiquette when you go to the theatre. Uh, last year, I directed the panto as well, so I did a pre-show speech and encouraged people to actively get involved. And it's always so funny to me that it's never the children that you have to explain it to, actually. Like, it's usually the adults. If, if you give children permission, they will always say yes. They're, they're like the perfect improv artist in that way. But the adults were the ones who, who took a little bit more uh, coercing to participate. But I'd say by the second number, they really had it under their wing. This year, I'm not directing. But Joe, the person who is directing the show, they're a wonderful, wonderful comedian. And they also have an, uh, an innate understanding of the sense of humour. Um, and I'm really excited to see what they do with it because I think that they'll really be able to coax a very specific local reaction out of people too because Joe is born and bred in, in Dunmore and and so I think that we've we've got that fine balance now where we can continue to like encourage the audience to engage but they can still have what they consider to be a, a traditional theatre experience but it's just a little bit more fun and, and daft at the end of the day. You're doing Jack and the Beanstalk, the great Jack and the Beanstalk which is one of the great traditional pantos. Do you have all the traditional panto components is Jack played by a woman? Do you have a pantomime dame? Mm-hmm. We have all of those things. One of the things that when, when Michael and Jonathan initially brought the idea to me about doing a pantomime, I was like, well, there's going to be two really important components, that you have a dame and that that dame is someone that local people would know, so that that is like a local celebrity or someone who is very well-known in the Scranton community. And luckily, we have the wonderful Conor McGuigan, who's playing the Dane, who's playing Dane Hildegard Trotter this year. And he did it last year as well, and he will continue to do it for as long as we decide to do panto, so that that becomes a mainstay, that audiences know, no matter what the panto, I know that I will be seeing Conor McGuigan as the Dane. And Conor is a wonderful comedian, he's someone I've worked with a lot, and I've written for him before, and he's always... He is one of the most naturally funny and naturally uh, gifted performers I've ever worked with. And it was such a pleasure to put him in full drag last year to play the game. And I think he had a wonderful time doing it. And I think he's really excited to do it again this year. And so we're really lucky in that regard that we had the exact panto magic in Connor and that we were able to use him as a conduit to <laughs> send our pantomime message out <laughs> into the atmosphere. And, and as you say, that's such an important thing for the pantomime dame, you know, to have a, a local theatre pantomime dame, unless somebody really, really super famous comes in one year. If Sir Ian McKellen asks to be your panto dame, <laughs> he's such a good dame, though. <laughs> Truly, really, really is. Uh, we, we've, got, we've got our lovely, uh, our lovely Jack is, is being played by a woman, and I think that that is like something that has been really wonderful, is to bring that sort of bring gender bending of panto to America as well. And it's so funny because I think that that's something that we naturally are just so used to in the UK that we don't really think about it. But it has been fun to watch audiences be like, oh, I had never heard of the concept principal boy. And why is that played by a woman? And why is she never wearing pants? <laughs> why is it always like that long tunic and nothing else? <laughs> There's always a food fight as well. Do you have one of those? We don't have a food fight this year because I'm trying to keep the space as clean as possible. But there is what I would call close to a food fight. There, there will be a lot of water and a lot of mess. After oh, good. So you've replaced um, it with a water mess. 
We've replaced it with a water nest. I have in my backlog many old like pantomime sketches that are like classic comedy sketches. Last year we had a very famous Morgan and Wise sketch that was in the panto. This year the sketch is called It's a Busy Bee Sketch that involves a lot of spraying water all over the place. So there, there's always that second act makes no sense for the plot. Why are we doing this <laughs> clowning scene that is in every panto? And the kids love it. So that's what it's really about. Panto has a very long tradition. I mean, that Panto we know in Britain now really took place in the 19th century, but for centuries before we were playing with Commedia dell'arte and then with Harlequin and things like that at Drury Lane that gradually evolved into a late Victorian, what we now recognize as, as Panto all over Britain and consider it part of our Christmas tradition. Yeah, I, I think that Panto is such a wonderful Christmas gift. Uh, I was talking to uh, another director friend of mine who is working on something in London right now, and and he had never been to the UK before, and I was like, you have to remember that all actors in the UK are employed in the month of November, December, January, and they won't be available for your gig, because everybody is doing panto. It's such a huge part of our culture, and it's something that that you're you're born into. It's something that I grew up going to see with my parents and grandparents. It was something that eventually when I started performing, it was something I was very much involved in. My mum runs a theatre company back in the UK and she writes and directs the panto every year. So the irony of me now doing this is not lost on me. And it's such a huge part of our history, going all the way back to music hall. And even going further back than that, you have all of those comedia references and the influence of Italian street style of theatre. It has such a long legacy and it is innately connected to the stories that we knew growing up. The the familiarity of those fairy tales that you hear from the second you're born all the way through your life. You know the plot. You don't have to go in there and really concentrate and listen because ultimately we kind of know how Jack and the Beatles goes. We kind of know how Sleeping Beauty goes. So there, there is always that like foundation that is there lying underneath. So you always know that you're going to have a good time. Uh, we talk a lot about the actors, the use of the songs and the, the use of like pop songs and this songs and songs that everyone would know and that it, it's different from a musical in that the songs don't necessarily move the plot along. Oftentimes they draw away from it, but they're there to make you tap your foot and clap your hands and have a good time. And it's, it's, it's so funny now as an, uh, an adult who, I mean, I've been working in the business for uh, nearly 20 years now, thinking about the uh, the influence that Panto has had on my life and how I have not been doing that for a good 13 years and all of a sudden it's come back in. It, it, it's been a wonderful like, rediscovery of silly humour. I, I love the carry-on films. I love all of the old, like, 60s farcical comedies. So, like, having that come back into my life has been so lovely because that, that, that's the humour that really makes me laugh. It's just, like, stupid stuff. And I always remember, like, as a teenager, my mum would be, like, laughing to herself as she was writing the pantos. And I was like, what's she laughing at? And she was just making herself laugh so much at the stupid jokes she was making herself. And it brought her so much joy to then see audiences have that reaction. And I had that similar experience last year, watching people in Wisconsin really enjoy and take pleasure in just being stupid at Christmas time. It's really, really special. It is very special. And something you, you pointed out, perhaps without realising, is people might think it's Jack and the Beanstalk, so there's a script that travels around and has travelled around for 100 years. But it's not so. The, the thing about Panto is it has to be up to the minute, doesn't it? It has to include 
local comedy. It has to include a modern take on things that are happening in the world. That way, it's almost a stress relief, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And it's so specific to where you are as well. Like the jokes that you would see in a panto in Newcastle are different from the jokes that you would see in a panto in Canterbury or in Manchester or in Nottingham. They're all going to be so, so different. And that was something that really excited me about doing it in Scranton is Scranton humour is very specific and there's so many wonderful local jokes that you can make that uh, allow the audience into your world and say, come along with us. We're going, to take, we're going to make fun of you. We're going to make fun of me. We're going to make fun of everybody today. It's very inclusive in a lot of ways. And Connor, again, has been a wonderful help. Joe has been a wonderful help. In general now, from 13 years in the Scranton area, I know enough jokes and I can make enough references to be self-referential and up-to-date and up-to-the-minute. But it's always really helpful to have local people who have been there forever who can also help me with that and say, like, actually... This joke doesn't necessarily land, but like maybe we could try like a reference to this, or we could talk about this bar, or we could talk about this restaurant. So it's it's really helpful to have local people there, and I think that's the thing that makes it feel personal and it uh, makes it feel um, accessible to audiences because it is so specific to where you are. Who's your principal boy? Uh, principal boy, I think they've just announced it on the social media. We have. The lovely Madeline Casey, who is a Scranton Shakes alum, she is going to be playing Jack, and she's going to be partnered with the lovely Isabel Snyder, who's playing Daisy. We have a lot, I think every, pretty much everybody in the company is a previous Scranton Shakes alumni at this point. Jimmy Williams is playing Lord Dilly Dally, this is his first time on stage with us, but he has costumed for Scranton Shakes in the past. And then we have like the wonderful youth ensemble, who will obviously be playing the pivotal role of villager one, two, three, and four, and five. <laughs> which is in every That's... panto ever. Uh, I, I was talking to Michael, he was like, why does the first thing always happen in a village? I was like, don't ask questions, just enjoy the song. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. And that's the thing about panto, it's kind of controlled chaos, isn't it? Well, I talked about it with the actors last year specifically because the, the temptation is that you want to run wild and uh, go off script and uh, really use the audience, which you can do and there's always space to do. But it's actually, it has to be organised. Like, it has to be organised chaos. It has to be streamlined. You have to stay on script because things can turn into madness if we go too far off piste. So it's really important that, that actually, even though the audience sees what seems like chaos, it is very organised. And I know for a fact that Joe is cracking the whip and making sure that everybody is rehearsed to the best of their abilities before we open. I think a lot of actors find that panto is as challenging as doing Shakespeare in that, in that way, that it's got to seem light and crazy and bonkers and you're out of control, but at the same time you're very much in control of the situation so that things don't go completely off-piste. Yeah, well, very, even, even you talked about Ian McKellen earlier, like it took him 60 years of his career before he decided to do a pantomime. Uh, and it was because it was one of the things that he'd never done. He's one of our greatest actors, one of our greatest Shakespearean performers on stage. He had never done that before because it is terrifying. <laughs> the thought of walking into a 10am panto with a bunch of school children <laughs> is terrifying. And, and allowing the audience freedom, but keeping them under control so it doesn't go completely bonkers. And there's a good reason why some actors just specialise in being a pantomime dame. Very much so. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I keep saying to Connor, I was like, hey, if you live in the UK, you can make a career of this. 
You absolutely can. Finally, why do you think people should get involved in Panto, start enjoying going to Panto? Why do you think this should become a tradition in this country? Well, I think that having traditions is a wonderful thing. And having the ability to know that every Christmas you're going to be going to see a theatrical experience with your family and it doesn't matter if you're uh, 80 or you're 8, you can still enjoy the experience. Knowing that that tradition is there is always a wonderful thing. I grew up my entire life looking forward to going to the Panto every year, and it brought so much joy to all of the people around who were seeing it. Uh, So it's been wonderful to be able to bring it here in that regard. Uh, And I think that if we can if we can really encourage this tradition and, and hopefully it sticks around and that people get excited to see it the next year, it'll just continue to get bigger and bigger. The more people support, the more we can do. This is our first time at Grant and Shakes doing seasonal programming. And, you know, pretty much every regional theatre in the country here does Christmas Carol or does something along those lines that we know very, very well. This is completely new. This hasn't really successfully ever clinged on in America. There's been examples of pantos happening, but it's never really, like, cracked the market. And then all of a sudden, I'm hearing whisperings of a panto happening here or a panto happening there. And I think that people like tradition. People like to feel safe in in the art that they're consuming and know that they're going to have a jolly old good time and want to know that they're getting the worth out of their money. So to me, it's kind of a win-win. Your kids can come. You can bring your parents, like everyone can go and have a good time and know that they will know the, know the songs, they'll know the stories, they'll have a good time watching the dancing, they get to laugh at Connor running around in a dress being silly. It's always, it's always a great experience. I am so thankful that Michael and, and the festival wanted to bring this tradition to Stanton because ultimately it's going to yield really wonderful things for their out of scene programming. So pantomime is a tradition? Mm-hmm. No, no, it isn't. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, no, it isn't. (laughs) Oh, yes, it is. Oh, no, it isn't. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And that was just a taster of panto. (laughs) (laughs) Two people who have never met, uh, never been in the same room together, didn't go to the same panto, and we know the script. (laughs) Yeah, we certainly do. It's been wonderful talking to you. So lovely speaking to you. (laughs) Billy Aiken Tyres, speaking about this year's Scranton pantomime. Jack and the Beanstalk will be performed on Friday, December the 8th through Sunday, December the 10th, and Friday, December the 15th through Sunday, December the 17th at the Shakes Place in the Marketplace at Steamtown in Scranton. For tickets and more information, visit scrantonshakes.com. Many thanks to Billy Aiken Tyres. And many thanks to you, WVIA's Fiona Powell.